Amen. Stand to your feet. I'm believing the Lord for great and mighty things. And uh, we don't come to spectate, but we come to participate. Amen. And I've come to worship the Lord today because he is the God of my salvation. As the song that they were just singing, Hosanna, he's the God of my salvation. I love him. He deserves all of our praises because he has been so, so good to us. Namely, because of what he did 2,000 years ago, you and I can be here today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to come today, Lord. We've not showed up, Lord God, to do it upon our own, but we want the moving and the operating power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we sense your presence even now, God. And when you come, you come to change lives, Lord. You come to do a work amongst your people. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would do today what only you can do, and we will not fail to give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. about you? I don't know about you, but when I think about the Lord, when I think about the Lord, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, I think some of us have forgotten where the Lord has brought us from. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you were dead in your sins. You were dead, void of feeling. You were lifeless. You was nothing more but a dead man walking. But Jesus Christ came passing by your way. He quickened your heart. He quickened your spirit. And he took that old vile you and he placed his spirit inside of you. You didn't deserve him. You don't deserve heaven. You and I deserve hell. But because of Jesus Christ, because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of what he did 2,000 years ago, you and I can be here today. Think of where I was. I was on my way to hell. But he saved me. He raised me up. And now there's no more fear because I know in whom I have believed. I know who walks with me. I know who talks with me. I know who lives inside of me. And so you wonder why we shout. You wonder why we praise the Lord. Because we know where we were and we know where we are today. And let me tell you, it is nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. So how can I not praise Him? How can I not cry out unto Him? He didn't have to go to that cross, but He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the entirety of the world. So God, I pray, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the times that we've not given to you. Let us so rightfully do it to you. And God, I pray, Lord, let us never forget, Lord. Let us never forget, Lord, where you brought us from. How you've raised us up, Lord. How you've set our feet on solid ground, Lord. And God, you've been there with us through the storms of life. You've been there with us through the trials of life. Lord, you've been faithful day in and day out, Lord. And today, Lord, we say thank you, Lord. And we shout hallelujah to your name, God, for what you have done for us, Lord. God, I refuse to let the rocks cry out upon my behalf, God. I refuse, Lord God, to let the enemy rob me of my joy, Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength, Lord. And many times I felt like I couldn't go on. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your presence that is here, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and what you are going to do, Lord. And God, we say hallelujah to your glorious, your holy name, Father. We give you the highest praise. And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Be thankful for his presence here today.
don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I don't ever want to lose my excitement for the Lord. A lot of people say, well, that's just a bunch of zeal. No, it ain't no zeal. It's excitement because I've got the person of a person living inside of me, amen. And he's the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I, can't, I don't ever want to get over where he's brought me from. I don't care how long that I've been serving the Lord. Lord, let me never forget of what you brought me out of. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I pray you do, turn with us to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. If you don't have your Bible, uh, feel free to look up on the screen as we will play the, and we will show the scriptures of our text, as well as any time that we reference scriptures, we always put it up here, so that if you do take notes, and we highly encourage that you do take notes, amen, uh, because sometimes the Lord gives so much, and you have to write it down real quick, and you go back and you meditate upon it, and, uh, and you go back and you like to reread the scripture again, so we put the scripture up here, amen. <clears throat> again, we're just so thankful for that, each and every one of you that have been here uh, and uh, with us from the beginning, those of you that have joined in with us, and uh, those of you that are here today, and again, we just say thank you. So Ezekiel chapter 47, in the first five verses, if you're there, say amen. Amen, amen. and I'm going to take me a swig of water because I'm thirsty. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> All right, 47, <clears throat> verse 1. The Bible says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, by the way that looks eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man who had the line in his hand, pay particular, pay particular attention to that, and when the man <clears throat> who had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me down through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. <clears throat> when it comes to your walk with the Lord or lack thereof, there is not a final destination place that any believer will ever arrive to. It is and always will be the desire of the Lord for us to go into deeper relationship with Him <clears throat> on our journey through life. He desires to do more in our lives and He desires to continuously reveal Himself to us. Amen. We were just having a conversation, Bonnie and Aaron and I were before church and talking about how the Lord will give men revelation and I'm so thankful. He continuously reveals Himself to us. Amen. He will always reveal to the seeking heart, to the heart that is hungry, to the heart that is thirsty, the Lord will always reveal himself too. And as Aaron so <clears throat> graciously pointed out, he's got no respect of persons, amen? He won't sit and reveal stuff to me and then not turn around and not reveal it to you, amen? We are all his children. If you're a blood-bought, you are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. And the greatest revelation that could ever be known today is not the, the, the $10 words, if you will, but the greatest revelation that you could ever have, that I could ever have, is who he is. 
is that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There's no greater revelation that could ever come to our hearts and to our minds but to know that Jesus Christ, the one that we're singing about, is the Son of the living God, that He is the Messiah. And so many think, though, that you are not supposed to go beyond the cross. But how can you go, or that you are too supposed to go beyond the cross? Let me get that right. Many people think that you're, once you get saved, that you're supposed to go beyond the cross. But how can you go beyond the cross when the cross is the reason for which we can receive all things? You don't go beyond the cross. I was, he listened to that song, we were listening to it on the way down to church this morning. And it's wrapped up, tangled up, all tied up in Jesus. See, I was entangled up in bondage, but now I'm tangled up all in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, I'm tied up, and I'm tangled all up in Jesus. Why? Because I've placed my faith in Christ and what he's done. See, the moment that we leave the cross is when we go back into bondage. Amen? So again, we do not preach that you will go beyond the cross, but rather you will go deeper into the cross. You'll go deeper into what he has done, into all of the benefits that he has died to give each and every one of us. And if you are a believer today, if you have had your sins forgiven and they are up underneath the blood of Jesus Christ, then you have all of the benefits of Calvary. You have all of the benefits of Calvary. Because, see, when you get Jesus, you get it all. Amen? He gives everything. You are now a joint heir with Christ. Amen? But so you may say, well, I've got joy. And yes, we've got joy. We've got peace. But can I tell you today that there's always more joy? There's always more peace? There's always more victory? Amen? There's always more in Christ Jesus. You cannot exhaust the cross of Christ. You cannot exhaust what he has done at Calvary. How could us human beings exhaust the wonderful, glorious plan and the wisdom of God by sending his son Jesus Christ into this world to die for you and to die for me? Amen. Amen. So there's always more in the cross. And it's his desire for you to experience all that he has because, again, you can never finish you can never exhaust his finished work. So my question is to you today, do you want more? Do you truly want more of him? My heart at times is saddened when I look across the church world today, the body of Christ, and we have become so repetitious in what we say when we say we're hungry for more, we're thirsty for more, but yet we don't live our lives as if we're hungry for more. We don't live our lives as if we're thirsty for more. And today, the Lord, I believe strong in my heart and in my spirit always that the Lord desires to touch us, each and every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest. He don't desire for you and I to leave this place the same way that we walked in. And you're not here by coincidence today. You are here because the Holy Spirit has drawn you here. And there is a divine appointment today that the Lord desires to meet with you and to move in your life. So I want to preach a message this morning that will touch each and every one of us. How deep will you go? How deep will you go? Bow your heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is in this house. Lord, we thank you for your Spirit that is here. Lord, we tremble because we know that you are holy. We know that you are righteous. Lord, there is no God that is like you. 
And to know, Lord, that your spirit and your presence is here, Lord, dwelling amongst the people, Lord, that is sick, amongst the people that is wretched, amongst the people that is blind, Lord. It is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has been shed at Calvary's cross that we can now have the indwelling and the abiding presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that today, God, you desire to do a work in each and every single person, in each and every single heart today. And God, it is my earnest prayer that, Lord, today you would anoint me, Lord, with an anointing, Lord, like I've never had before, not to speak my thoughts, not to speak my opinions, but, God, to speak, thus saith the Lord. God, I would ask that, Lord, you would anoint the hearts and the ears of every individual, Lord, that would fall up underneath the sound of my voice. Lord, those are here in the sanctuary those that are watching by the way of internet or will watch god i pray lord that you meet them right now god that you begin to work in their heart lord we take authority over distractions we take authority over hindrances lord and god we bind the enemy in the name of jesus christ and lord we would pray and ask god that you would do today what only you can do lord help us to rightly divide the word lord and hide us behind your cross and lord we will be quick quick lord to give you praise for it all in jesus name and everyone said amen and amen when you read the book of ezekiel and i just want to give you a little backstory before we get into the message so bear with me because it's very vital to this message but when you read the book of ezekiel you will see how it is broken down into five parts we see the call of ezekiel in the first a couple of chapters and then we find him warning Israel of God's ultimate wrath and judgment if they don't turn from the direction that they are heading in. And how many of you know that God has continuously extended mercy again and again? We've seen it. It went on for years with Israel, with Judah here. And God was always calling them to come back to him, to calling them to repent. And I would say that the same is being said about America today. Amen. He's calling us as a country... As a body, as a body of believers to come back to Calvary, to come back to the cross, for us to turn from our wicked ways and to repent of our sin. And upon their, their failure, though, to heed the prophet's warning, because they did not heed what he was saying, we find the destruction of the temple and the Babylonian captivity of Israel. And as you journey on through this book, you will find judgment and condemnation to other nations as well. But then you would move on to see the salvation of Israel. And if you have ever studied the book of Ezekiel and you ever read about it, you will see how he goes back and forth from present time to futuristic time. Of how he would be talking about the millennial that would be to come. But the fifth and final part of the book of Ezekiel from chapters 40 through 48, of which I just read the, the passage of Scripture from, we see him dealing with the resurrection of Israel and dealing with the resurrection of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple. You see, the vision of the Lord is showing here to Ezekiel the, the restoration of the temple and the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Now, you may ask, what is the thousand-year millennial of Christ? Upon the rapture of the church... <clears throat> Excuse me, and when we talk about the rapture of the church, we believe and we preach because the Bible says so that soon and very soon Jesus Christ is coming back. 
I know we've heard it all of our lives, and I know you've heard me say it again and again, and guess what? If you come to this church, you're going to continue to keep hearing me say it because it is true. And every day that passes by, we are one day closer to the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's coming back for his blood-bought church. And what do you mean by blood-bought? He's coming back for those that have been saved, that are washed, that have been forgiven, whose sins have been pardoned. And he's coming back, and in the twinkling of an eye, you and I, because the dead is going to be rised up first that is in Christ, then you and I that are alive and remain, you and I are getting ready to come up off of our feet, and we're going home to be with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I know that that's not much preached anymore, but just because it's not preached doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus still saves, Jesus still heals, Jesus still feels, and Jesus is still coming back, amen? So we see, though, uh, after the completion of the seven years of tribulation, so after the rapture of the church, at some point in time, and the Bible doesn't say, it could be one month, it could be six months, it could be a year, the time of tribulation will start. This is as the Bible talks about the time of Jacob's woe. And the world will go into what's called a seven-year tribulation. The first three and a half years, everything will be good. The Antichrist will come up on the scene. He will fool people. He will deceive people and make it everything, everybody think that all is going well. But then the second half of the three and a half years, we see that the Antichrist will then show his true colors. Amen? And we will see that he will almost, almost, because he will not completely destroy Israel, but almost annihilate and destroy Israel. But then at the end of that seven-year reign, Jesus Christ and every blood-bought child of God that went up with him in the rapture is going to mount up on a white horse and going to come on back, and there we are going to defeat the Antichrist. Amen? You may say, well, I've never been on a horse before. Well, saddle up and get ready, baby, because you're going to get on that horse. I can't wait to get on that horse. I can just imagine as Jesus Christ is leading the pack and millions upon millions upon millions of believers that have been blood-bought, washed in the blood of the Lamb, are going to be following in behind Him. I'm going to be saying, Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, O Lord. And the Antichrist who thinks he's going to win is going to be defeated. Jesus Christ is going to reign for a thousand years. And in that thousand years, there's going to be peace like this world has never known. People are thinking that we can have peace now, but the Bible preaches against that. We know that we're in the last days. We know that we're up underneath perilous times. And my friend, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. But you and I today have a blessed hope because we know in whom we have believed. And despite what is all going on all around us, I lift my eyes up toward heaven of where my help comes from. Because the Bible says he's not given me the spirit of fear, but he's given me the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And you and I today as believers can walk in this world that is lost, that is sin sick, and still throw our shoulders back and lift up our heads because we know in whom we have believed and we know that we're on the winning side. So we see here the completion of the thousand-year millennial reign and where the temple will be resurrected and I, res, restored. And I just want to say one thing, that as I was studying about this, and hey, don't get me wrong, I look forward to Jesus coming every day of my life. It seems as much as going on in this world today that my heart, and it should be, longs for him to come back. Amen. As a born-again believer, your desire greater than anything else in this life should be Jesus come quickly. 
I want out of here, amen, because there's nothing here for me. My home don't matter. My bank account don't matter. My car don't matter. Y'all can all have it because what I've got is so much greater. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will spend more time thinking upon what is to come and miss out on what the Lord wants to do today. We will miss out because Jesus said in Isaiah 43, 19, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you know it. See, the Lord wants to do a new thing. And I don't want to miss out on what he wants to do today. I don't want to miss out on what he wants to do tomorrow. My eyesight is always looking toward heaven. I'm always looking towards Jesus and my know that my hope is in him and I want him to come back. But I don't want to miss out on what the Lord wants to do today in my life. Amen. So Ezekiel would say here in the beginning of verse 1 that he was brought unto the door of the house. Now understand he is showing Ezekiel in a vision the new temple that will one day be and the sanctuary waters that will flow from this temple. This is a literal temple with literal waters that will flow from this temple. And But before you can get into any house, you've got to do what? You've got to go through the door. Can I tell you today that the door of this sanctuary represents the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 10 verses 7 says, Jesus said unto them again, because the Lord wanted to make it specifically clear, and he would repeat this again and again and again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He is the door of all the sheep that enters in. There is only one door. He didn't, that I am means singular. There's not many doors. I know that the world will say that there are many roads to heaven. But let me tell you today, if I never get to speak to you again, there is only but one way to heaven, and that is through the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is not through Mohammed. It is not through Buddha. It isn't the Pope. It isn't the Catholic Church. It isn't the Protestant Church. It ain't even the Church of God. It is only through Jesus Christ and He alone. It is he who decides who enters in. And it is he who stands willing to open to any and all who will come in and just simply deny themselves, believe on him, and enter in. See, the problem is, is we've got too many people that are trying to climb the house to get in. Come down from the walls and go through the door. It's easy to go through a house by going through the door. It would be crazy to your neighbors if you went to your house and you started climbing and getting the ladder out and busting out windows or going through it when all you have to do is stick your key in, unlock the door, and walk on in. Can I tell you the key is the blood of Jesus Christ and all you've got to do is apply that blood to your heart and you can walk right on in. And let me tell you what's inside the house is blessings untold. What blessings are you talking about? I'm talking about endless hope. I'm talking about endless joy i'm talking about prosperity i'm talking about healing i'm talking about fruit of the spirit gifts of the spirit i'm talking about prayers being answered i'm talking about so much that you can't even begin to imagine but it's only found by walking through the door who represents jesus christ but so after he went through the door of the temple ezekiel was shown waters that came out from under the threshold get this picture waters 
flowing from underneath the threshold of the house eastward. You see, these waters that Ezekiel seen flowing is a type of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you that everything the Holy Spirit touches, it brings forth life. I said everything that the Holy Spirit touches brings forth life. You see, this river began to flow on the day of Pentecost, and it ain't stopped flowing since. I know a lot of people say, Lord, we need your spirit. Hey, he ain't never left. He came in on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 lets us know. And he ain't never left. He's still here. Well, what is he doing? He's convicting hearts. He's counseling hearts. He's comforting hearts. He's still here upon this world doing what he was sent to do. You see, we have what John chapter 14 tells us of that day that the Holy Spirit would not just dwell with you, but he said he shall be in you. The Holy Spirit shall not just dwell with you, but he shall be in you. That's a person. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not an it. I said this Wednesday night in the Bible study. He's not an it. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And upon receiving salvation, upon accepting Jesus Christ as Messiah, as Lord and Savior, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of your heart and he is there now and he is leading you he is now guiding you i don't need law to direct me i've got a person that tells me what to do and what not to do i've got a person there who will comfort me in the times of my storms in the times of my trial i've got a person there that will help me along this journey because when the world will throw their back on you when the family will walk out upon you as long as you've got king jesus you've got everything It doesn't matter who turns their back on you. As long as you've got him, you're going to make it. Amen? Before in Old Testament times, there would always have to be a sacrifice in order to worship God and for man to be forgiven. When Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah, Isaac looked at him and said, We've got the wood and we've got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham looked at him and said, God will provide. You want to know what the sacrifice is today for worship? You want to know where the sacrifice is today to take away our sins? I love what John the Baptist said in John 1.29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He didn't just come to cover our sin, but he came to take it completely out of the way so that now I can stand here spotless so that now you can stand here holy so that now you can stand here righteous and can I tell you that he said it to the Israelites when I see the blood I pass over you nothing else will save a man except the blood of Jesus Christ nothing else and I'm not ashamed to say it and I'm going to continuously tell it because I know it's not popular teaching it's not popular preaching nowadays but it is only through the blood that one is saved the river this river that the Bible says come down from the right side of the house you see the river would flow from the right side where the altar was but which shows us that what flows from God to man What flows from God to me comes today through what Christ did at Calvary. See, it had to flow through the altar. And the altar is a type of Calvary. You see, everything God has for you and I today comes through what He done and the person of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 19, if you read it, you will see where Jesus was pierced in His side. And what came out of Him? Blood and water. Blood for the forgiveness of sin, 
Water representing the Holy Spirit now able to dwell with inside you and without inside of me. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm not talking about man-made power here today. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power. We're talking about miracle-working power straight from God above. Power to see the blinded eyes open. Power to see the deaf ears open. Power to see the lame walk. Power to see those that come in through the wheelchair and now walking when they leave out of here. Power that told Peter and John to look at the man that was called at the gate of beautiful in Acts chapter 3 and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk that's the kind of power that resides within you and within me if we're saved power not man-made power but dunamis Holy Ghost power Ezekiel says in this verse the man which is Christ Jesus took him by the hand and he brought him through the waters and the waters were up to his ankles imagine this is a river and there, Jesus Christ leads Ezekiel up to the waters, and the waters then come up to the ankles. Can I tell you that this represents salvation? This represents your journey beginning with the Lord. Amen? This, again, this will always be the greatest miracle ever performed in the life of an individual. The Holy Spirit convicted you when you got saved and he brought you to the rivers and he baptized you into the body of Jesus Christ amen so in the mind of God when Christ died on Calvary you as well died on Calvary with him amen this is where it all starts it all starts with the ankle deep experience and it starts with salvation and too many want to try and experience other things of him without first receiving his life I went to the beach with my family a couple of weeks ago. And there, Jeremiah was his second time he's been. The first time he was six weeks old and, of course, didn't know nothing about it. And he won't remember this. But there we were on the shoreline. And I took him out. I led him to the waters. Just as Ezekiel said, the man, Jesus Christ, led him to the waters. I took Jeremiah by the hand and he walked and I led him to the waters. But he could have resisted and not went he could have easily pulled his hand out and said I'm not going but what did he do he got he was obedient to my leading and he went into the waters see there are many people that are standing on the shore today and they've never stepped into the waters the waters are there they see it they see what it looks like they have an imagination they have a thinking of what that waters feels like but yet they're so close it's almost as if the waters are right here and many times they get just like that but yet they pull their foot back and they never get into the waters but see Jesus wants to bring us into the waters and it all starts with salvation he wants to save our soul he wants to forgive us of our sins you may say well you don't know what I've done I don't need to know what you've done and I don't care what you've done and Jesus don't care either he just said will you come to me he said all who will come and drink of this water of life can come and drink freely he don't ask you to, get, to, to do anything. He just simply says, give me your heart and give me your life. And can I tell you today, you can hear about it all day long. I can see it and try to explain it to you. And, but there are no words to adequately describe the goodness of the Lord until you first step on into the river. 
It wasn't until Jeremiah stepped in that he actually knew and felt what that waters felt like. Amen? You see, again, the reason why many don't want to step into the waters is because when your feet submerges into the waters, your foundation changes. You see, you're no longer depending upon you. You're no longer standing on what you are depending on, on yourself. But now you're depending upon Christ. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. When he saves your soul, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, he removes that heart of stone and he places his Holy Spirit inside of you. And can I tell you, you are going to see changes in your life. You will see a change in the way you talk. You will see a change in the way you do things. And the ankle water experience tells us that now that you've experienced his grace, guess what? There's going to be directional changes. Because before, where your feet was walking in crooked path, now because you're in the waters, your feet can now walk straight. And how is it that you can walk straight in the way that the Lord would have you to walk? Because you've got the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And now, instead of being all crooked and jagged, now you're able to walk straight because He changes your direction. And your direction is no longer toward the world. Your direction is no longer to you, but your direction now is toward Him. Amen? Psalms 105 41 says, he opened the rock and the waters gushed out and they ran in the dry places like a river. He was speaking here. If you read back in Exodus and again in the book of Numbers, you will see where the rock was smitten. And guess what? Waters came out. That rock is a type of Christ. And when Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross, the Holy Spirit descended down and now can reside within us. Amen. The Holy Spirit, this water, let me tell you, this was a physical rock. This wasn't just no little pebble. This was a rock. And he hit the rock. And it wasn't just a little trickle that came out. It was a whole big gush of water that came out that was enough to satisfy the thirsty heart of probably five million Jews and as well as all the cattle and the animals. Which tells us that there's always room for more. There's always room for another. And this water will slate your thirst. The same thing that he told the woman at the well. If you'll drink these waters, you shall never thirst again. Amen? Amen. How many of you are here today? Amen? You've drank of the waters so and you've never thirsted again. Amen? He said, you shall never thirst again. I'm not thirsty for the things of this life anymore because I now have a well springing up with inside of me, giving me life each and every single day. Amen? But when the Holy Spirit comes in, he comes to change you. He comes into this house that you now have. You've got Jesus Christ living on the inside, and he desires to change all of you. But see, many times we want to shut the door on some rooms and say, you could go here and you could go there, but don't enter in here. But the Holy Spirit wants to come in and open those doors and go in and invade all of you and change everything about you. But can I tell you the things that he will take away from you? He will replace it with so much better. Why in the world would we want to hang on to filth? Why in the world would we want to hang on to, 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 to no rest and to no peace and to no joy and hang on to our sin when we got the giver of life standing here saying, will you drink of this? Will you step into this? I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I've done it for you. And all you've got to do is step in. There are way too many believers, though, that are settling just for salvation. 
your ankle deep into the water. And don't get me wrong, we don't demean the ankle deep experience. Thank God for the ankle deep experience, amen? Because all you need to get to heaven is the ankle deep experience, amen? I know that there are some faiths that will preach that you've got to be, you know, saved and also water baptized and go on with to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you that none of that is true? All you've got to do is call upon the name of the Lord and the Bible says you shall be saved. All you need is this ankle deep. I get so tired of denominations, especially us in Pentecost, that want to bash other denominations. Listen, as long as we agree on the major things, it doesn't matter about the minor things. Because the major thing is that you've got to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And then, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you can go on to receive more of him. You, he's got so much more. But the greatest gift that he will ever give to you, the greatest gift that he will ever give to me, is the wonderful gift of salvation. And we've got to get back to preaching the blood of Jesus Christ and quit preaching our opinions and quit preaching our ideologies and tell them that Jesus Christ died and he came to save you. He came to set you free from your miserable life and he will place his spirit inside of you. That's the good news. That's the good news. But Ezekiel goes on in verse 4 and says that he measured another thousand. And he brought me through the waters that were to the knees. You see, what he desires for us to see and understand is that the man with the line in his hand is to be followed. So here you've got the man, Jesus Christ, leading Ezekiel to the waters. And then he led him to the waters to the knees. And Ezekiel was following him, which is telling us that Jesus Christ wants you and I to follow him into more of what he's got for you and I now that we are believers in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're not to follow man, not to follow denominations, but followers of Christ. And can I tell you today that if you are saved and you were blood-bought, and you want more of him. I got a text the other day from an individual that I had the privilege and the opportunity to lead to the Lord a couple of years ago. And his desire is for more of him. And it, you don't know it puts a smile on my face when I think about this young man who was once an atheist, who hated God with everything within him, but yet gave his heart in a break room of his job. And ever since then, I have seen him thrive, and his hunger for the Lord has grown. Can I tell you, that ain't nothing but God. I couldn't do that for him, but Jesus Christ did that for him. And his desire is for more of him. And he was telling me, I just want to know more of him. I just want more of him. Can I tell you, that comes from Jesus leading him. He's accepted Jesus Christ. He stepped into the waters. He got up here in the ankle, but Jesus Christ has said, come on over here to the knees. I want to lead you to the knees because I've got more of you. And these knees, what do they signify? They signify the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the believer. They signify that that baptismal experience of Acts chapter 2 that we read about. Luke 22 even tells us that Jesus says, follow the man that is carrying the pitcher of water. That man is the Holy Spirit. The water is a type of the Holy Spirit, amen? He says, follow him. But when you get into the water, your waist, your neck, and your head never gets wet before the knees. See, we want the ankle-deep experience as believers. 
And then we want to bypass the knees and say, well, I don't like the knee experience because of what we're getting ready to tell you, but I want the waist and I want the shoulder and I want to swim and all of that. But the last time I checked, as you walk out into the ocean, your knees get wet before the waist. And your waist is going to get wet before what? The waters begin to rise up to your neck. And then if you're brave, you just get on out there and swim. Me, I'm not so brave. You have to have salvation before you can get the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus doesn't baptize those that are unclean, but he baptizes those that are of a clean temple, and you are made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for service unto the Lord. What you feel in this place is because we prescribe to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the moving and the operating power of the Holy Spirit that comes in. And can I tell you, it's not just for when we gather in this building on Sundays and Wednesdays, but it's there to be with you, to do service unto the Lord, even on Mondays on your job. When I was hungry for more, and the Lord was leading me, I can remember it was October, September of 2014. I was, my mind was made up, I've got to have more of you, Lord. I was so desperate, and I was so hungry. And again, when you get hungry for him, when you get desperate for him, he's going to fulfill that desire, amen? I was so hungry, and the Lord began to deal with my heart for a while about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I was so hungry for it. I grew up believing in it. I grew up knowing that Pentecost was real, and I so wanted what I seen other believers who were spirit-filled. I wanted that too for myself. And can I tell you again, he's got no respect to persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for others. And I remember I made up my mind, and I said, I'm not going to stop. And on October the 19th of 2014, I remember the pastor there was preaching a simple message about the importance of prayer and about that we need to pray for our family and friends and all of this. And he called an altar call, a simple service. It wasn't a whole lot of shouting. It wasn't a whole lot of running. It was just a simple service with his word being preached. But when I got down on my knees... When I got down my knees, something got a hold of me, amen. And the, he began to lay his hands on me. And all of a sudden, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence, was speaking with other tongues. Whereas before I was ashamed to lift up my hands, can I tell you, they lifted up that day in the altars. Because such joy filled my heart. Because I had been baptized into his spirit. And then he set me for service unto him if Jesus Christ needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, where does that leave you and I? He is perfect. He was perfect when he walked here on this earth. But if he needed it, because he was 100% man, guided by the Spirit, if he needed that, where does that leave you and I? I need it. You need it as well as believers. Acts 17, 6 says that when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These who have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Why did they say they had turned the world upside down? Because we were talking about spirit-filled believers that were going out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ who was not ashamed, who had boldness about them, and the world was looking at them saying that they've turned it upside down. What they didn't understand, well, it wasn't them who was turning it upside down. Sin had turned the world upside down. But the Holy Spirit through these people was trying to turn the world back right side up. 
I want to be known by all of hell itself. There he is causing commotion. There he is causing a disturbance. And can I tell you today that even right now in this service, we are disturbing the gates of hell. We are disturbing the pits of hell because they don't like it because of the preaching of God's word. Because the preaching of the cross is to them who perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. That's what the cross does and will do in our lives. So the knees, though, also represent a prayer life. It shows a total dependency on the Lord and things being done in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit instead of you depending upon yourself, upon depending upon the arm of the flesh. James 4 and 8 says, Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. This is a guaranteed from God Almighty himself. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh unto you. But this is how we are. Clay, will you come up here and help me? I'm going to let you be God, and I'm going to be that awful person. Stand right over there. He tells me to draw nigh unto him. So there he is, looking at me with eyes of mercy. Look at me with eyes of mercy. Eyes of faith. <laughs> Don't look at it like you want to run through me. But looking at me with eyes of mercy, telling me, come, come. And he leaves the first move on my behalf. He's saying, your move. The ball's in your court. And I stand here. But when I draw nine to him, you keep drawing nine to me. There you go. He, draw, he takes a step and draws nine. Then what? No, no, you stop. I draw and you draw. So I draw and he draws. Take a draw. And then I draw and he draws. And then I draw. And then we get to the place to where we are so close as John the Beloved laid his head on the breast of Christ, which represents how the church should be. I want to be so close to him that I lay my head down on his chest and I can hear his very heartbeat. I want to lay back against him and I want to hear Jesus Christ breathing. I want to be so close to him. And he says, if I will just draw nine to him, he'll draw nine to me. But the move is on you. It's like playing that game of checkers. Somebody's got to start first. But whenever that person starts first, the other person then makes their move. So all we've got to do is draw nine to him, and then he will draw nine to us. And you can get as close to God as you want to be. But we got too many believers. There's the Lord, and they're right here. They see him from a distance. They want what he has. But they failed to get into the waters knee deep. And the Lord was leading Ezekiel to the knees as he is leading every believer to the knee experience because he wants us to be totally dependent upon him. To take everything to him in prayer. Because we're showing, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. You see, a proper prayer life is a necessity for the Holy Spirit to bring about great things which alone he can do. And you will only be as powerful as you are prayerful. You will only be as powerful as you are prayerful. And could it be the reason why we seem to have a powerless church is because we're no longer a prayerful church. But the Bible still says that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. The commission's there. He's given us the answer. Pray and seek my face, and then I'll do what you desire for me to do. We see then that he took Ezekiel a little deeper and he brought him through the waters to the loins. See, the, lo the more you 
go with the Lord, and the deeper you go with Him is the more you lose control. It's just like standing out in the ocean. When you're there in the ankle-deep water, you still got quite a bit of control, don't you? And as you wade on out into the water a little bit more and it gets to the knees, you lose just a little bit more control, don't you? And then as you wade on out to the waters and it gets to your waist, you lose a little bit more control. What I'm trying to get you to see today is that the Lord wants complete and total control of your life and of my life. And he wants us to wade on out into the waters. Don't stay there in the ankle deep water. Go to the knees. If you've had the knee experience, go to the waist. Because he's got more for you. The loins represents procreation, which means that he wants to now send you out after you've had that knee experience and use you to win souls for Jesus Christ. He wants to use you to preach the gospel. Well, I've not been called to preach the gospel. I've not been called to stand behind the pulpit. Listen, if you're saved, you're a preacher. As David pointed it out at the meeting Thursday night, he said, preach the word, amen? And the pulpit is mobile. That means that pulpit is on your job. It's in your house with your family. It's in your school with your classmates. The pulpit's there, and he wants to use you to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ so that the harvest can be won. Amen? The gifts of the Spirit we see are also working within the lives of those that are here in the loins. And understand these gifts are not just for inside the church. i got to hurry. The gifts of the Spirit are still as real today as they've always been. And a lot of people think that the gifts of the Spirit only operate here when we come together on Sunday. But that's not the case. The Lord can do whatever He wants to do anywhere. I was at my job one time. And this has probably been about four years ago. I was a store manager of a particular store. I managed 75 people, ran a multi-million dollar business, and ran it. And all of a sudden, we were working on a Friday morning. And I remember it was busy. The lobby was packed. The drive through was packed like you wouldn't believe. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit quickened my heart. And he told me that this person who was working, that I'd been working with, was sick and had stomach issues. I had no idea. You say, well, how do you know? The Lord told me. And I looked at that person, and I said, are you having issues with your stomach? And she looked at me like she was shell-shocked. How did you know? I had no idea of her health history. I had no idea she was in great pain that day. And I remember, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to lay hands and pray for her. I want to heal her. And I remember, I said, Lord, I can't walk away from all these customers. Forty people in the lobby, drive-through wrapped around the building. I can't start laying hands on people here. I'm going to get fired. And I said, but if you'll remind me when this is over at the end of the shift, I'll pray for it. And the Lord did just that. That waned for me. But then come time when she got ready to get off, she was in that office with her head sitting down on that desk, tears pouring out of her as she was in immense pain. And all of a sudden, the anointing of the Holy Spirit was there. And let me tell you, I'm not talking about just laying hands on and praying. But I'm talking about the gift of healing that was there operating in my life that the Lord spoke to my heart and wanted to do. I'm talking about what He desires to do in the heart and lives of His baptized, Holy Spirit-filled children. And I kept going back and forth. She was in the office. And I'd go, then I'd turn away. Then I'd go back, 
I'd get bold. Lord, I can't do it. And I was so bold because I said, I can't go in there because what if she don't get healed? And my heart got to thumping so fast, I couldn't hardly stand. I said, all right, Lord, I'm all in. And I went in there and I called her by her name. And I said, the Lord said, you're sick. You've been battling this with all your life. But he wants to heal you. Can I lay my hands on you and pray for you? And she said, you ain't got to ask me twice. And all of a sudden, I took my hands and I barely laid it on her arm. And the power of God hit her. The anointing flowed. And she was healed right there in the name of Jesus. You say, how do you know? Because she went back to the doctor. And the doctor who had been seeing her for years had been giving her the medication for this. So I don't understand the condition's gone. I know what happened. The power of Almighty God touched her. That's what happened. That's what he can do in your heart and in your life. He wants to use you. You say, was you special? There ain't nothing special about me. It's because he's good. And it's his grace and it's his mercy that he would even desire to use us. But he wants to use you to further the kingdom of God. So the gifts of the Spirit are still active and real today outside of these four walls. So we see that Jesus takes them further and further out into the waters. And three different times, he says, he brought me through the waters. Brought me through the waters. Now, when you go through the waters, that means it's been completed, right? And that means when you got ankle deep, you then went to your knees. And then after the knees took place, he went to, to your loins. But then he said, I want to take you to the place where you can't even go through it. You see? You go from the ankles, you go to the knees, you go to the waist. Now I want to take you to a place where you can't pass through rivers of water that you can't even swim past. Showing us that there is an unlimited supply of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in my life. Amen? So with every step requires obedience. Every step requires you following the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We see here that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just the gateway to the things of God which are unending. This is why Ezekiel said waters that couldn't be passed over. Because too many times we think we get saved, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're good to go. No, 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 no. He's just now getting you ready to use you in ways like you've never been used before. Amen. You see, as you allow the Lord to lead you deeper, the more of Him you will have and the less of you will exist you see you will never be able to exhaust the work of christ because it's unending and i don't know about you but i want to be so far out in the waters that i can't even see the shoreline i want to be so far out in the waters and swimming and all that he has well after a while you grow well tired but then what do you do you get on your back what do they tell you to do when you get in the waters and you feel like you're going down get on your back and you can survive you see there in the waters you just rest in christ you just rest in christ you just rest in what he's done and you just let the waters gush all over you and you let the holy spirit take complete control of your life and do my god farther than more than what you could have ever imagined He'll do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You see, he's able to do far greater than what you can ask or imagine. And right here we see the admonition of the Lord to ask him for more because he can do so much greater than what you are believing him for. He desires to take you and I today, not tomorrow, not Wednesday, 
Not next Sunday. Today. He desires to take you and He desires to take me further out with Him. He desires to lead us on out so that He can move and operate in your heart and in your life the way that He desires. But you've got to be obedient. Just as Ezekiel was obedient, you've got to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit to take you to the next step that He wants to take you into. You see, for us to not go further with Him means we're not surrendering. See, it's time for us to hold Him back and allow Him to take us deeper into what He's got for us. See, it is it, when you say it's all of me, it's none of God. When it's all of you, it's none of God. When it's some of you, it's some of God. But He wants to get us to the place where it's none of us and all of Him. None of us and all of Him. But I don't know about you. I don't want just more. We sing that song, there's nothing wrong with it. I want more of you. But I don't just want more. I want all of Him. I want all of Him. And why do I want all of Him? Because He paid the price. It's been paid in full. And He says, you can have it today. Because I paid for it 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. Luke 5 and 4 says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep. So my question is to you today, are you going to launch out into the deep? Are you going to go to the place where he wants to take you to? Are you going to follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Because understand, these aren't my words today that I'm speaking. This is the word of the Lord. And he's speaking to each and every one of us. And he's saying, will you go? For some of us, we need to get to the ankle deep water. For some of us, we need to go to the knees. For some of us, we need to go to the loins. And for some of us, we need to swim and all that he's got for us. So I don't care where you are at in your walk with the Lord or lack thereof today. He wants to place you in the river and lead you more and more into what he's got for you. But you've got to make the decision of whether or not you're going to obey or whether you're going to resist. But the choice is yours. As you stand to your feet, I want to do things just a little bit different today. I don't want a person, one, missing out on an opportunity to receive what it is that the Lord has got for them. So we're going to play this song, and I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit. I want you to respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit because He's here today. He's here today. Amen? He's here right now, and He will meet you right here at your point of need. So if you need salvation, come today. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come today. If you desire to be used more by Him, come today. But I pray and I'm praying and believing that we will all leave this place changed. So as she begins to play the song, I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Respond and come and receive what He's got.
Lord, that we might be the witnesses for you. Set us on fire, Lord, and let us burn, Lord, before this whole entire world that we are followers of Jesus Christ, Lord. And God, we thank you for what you've done this day. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done this day, Lord, what you've done in the hearts and lives of your people, Father. And we forever, Lord, are giving you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We honor you, Jesus. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise, Father. Hallelujah. 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 The Spirit of the Lord is here. His presence is here. And he don't desire for you to leave the same way that you came in. He don't desire for you to leave. You don't have to leave the same way you came in. But he desires today for you to step in. He desires today for you to wait on out a little bit further. He's got more for you. He's got more for you. He's got so much more for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you, Jesus. We thank you for your leading and your guidance. I don't know where I would be without him. Amen. I don't know where I would be without him. I don't know where I would be without him. And let me just tell you today again. You may not have responded, but you don't have to leave the same way. I, I would be doing an injustice if I didn't tell you he's drawing your heart today. He's drawing every one of our hearts. He loves us. He loves you, and he wants to move in your heart and in your life. And he's just asking you, will you surrender? Will you surrender to him? Will you let him do what only he can do in your life? 
Will you surrender as they begin to play it again? I want to give another opportunity as I feel the Holy Spirit moving. And I would ask, Lord, saints, pray. Pray right now and begin to intercede on our behalf, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, Lord. today we we are aren't you glad that you've been here today amen Amen. just give the lord another hand clap of praise amen he can do more in five minutes than we can do in an eternity amen thank each and every one of you for being here we pray that you'll be back we have another service tonight at 6 p.m we encourage you to be back with us and as well as wednesday night bible study at seven but we love each and every one of you be blessed